0: I'll invite you to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. This is Healing School, and uh, we always minister along the lines of healing in some manner or another. Tonight I want to minister along the lines of uh, what I believe to be one of the most important things you need to know uh, relative to the subject of healing. Uh, It's true where the subject of prayer is concerned in any area, but uh, specifically uh, we'll talk about healing because that's our purpose here tonight. Acts chapter 16 tells us about, uh, uh, actually, I guess I should go a little bit further. In my opinion, this is a, a truth that not too many Christians know. Now, I didn't say it's not a truth. I didn't say it was a truth that others haven't heard of. But there's a difference between what you've heard and what you know. You know what that difference is? What you live in your life. Anything that you've heard that you're not putting in practice in your life is not something you yet know. You only know what you're living And so for that reason, it seems to me that there are very few Christians that really know this truth or putting it in practice in their lives. It tells us the story of Mark of. uh, Oh, what's this guy's name? Paul tells the story of Paul and uh, Silas in their first missionary trip to the city of Philippi. Philippi was one of the, uh, the major or the chief cities of Macedonia, the region called Macedonia. And so we'll pick up the story in verse 16. And it said, and it came to pass as we went to prayer. This is Luke talking about being part of Paul's company with Silas uh, included as well. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. That means she was a fortune teller. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. And I don't know how many is, but it's more than a few. This did she many days. But one day Paul, being grieved, turned and said said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gain was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers. "...and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them..." I don't know how many is, but it's more than a few. "...when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely." who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Now, you can, if we stop right there for a moment and kind of recap the story. Paul and Silas are guilty of one and only one thing. They're not guilty of what they've been accused of. They're guilty of getting this little girl set free from the power of the devil. And as a result, they're being beaten. They have been beaten. They've been thrown into the innermost part of the prison. I can't imagine that to be a too comfortable place. Their hands are, are bound, their feet are bound, they're, they're suffering from the, the uh the effects, the results of the beating that they took, and now it says in verse twenty five, and at midnight. Now I believe this was literally midnight, but it can be representative of a midnight hour in your situation. And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened, not just theirs, but all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loose, not just their chains and stocks fell apart, everybody's did. And it tells us about the keeper of the prison. He thought that he was going to be killed because everybody's gotten loose and, and everybody's sitting still. Now, there's a couple of things that's interesting to me about this story. Why in the world would everybody still be sitting still if the doors are open? I know why Paul and Silas are sitting still. That's pretty easy. They've been sent there by God to do something. If you go back and and read a little bit uh, before we pick up the story, you'll find out the whole reason they're in Philippi is because they had a vision in the night where God directed them to come to this city. Now, there's a lot of places in this story where they could say, you know, Lord, you must have messed up here. Paul could really question the vision that he had in the night. How in the world could God be leading me here if we wind up in stocks and our hands in chains, bound in the innermost prison and having been beaten? How in the world could that be God? See, a lot of people think that whatever God tells you to do, everything's just going to fall down in front of you and everything's going to work out, you know, hunky dory. And that's not always the case, folks. Sometimes the vision is to hold you steady because trouble's coming. So there's a lot of places that they could have gotten discouraged. There's there's a lot of points in this this story where they could have questioned the things of God or questioned what they got from God. Certainly at midnight, they didn't have to take the position and take the action that they did, did they? That would be the point where a lot of Christians would have tuned up and started complaining and bawling and squalling and saying, Oh, God, why did this happen to me? Here I am trying to serve you. You know I love you. That's why I'm here. And look at what's happened. But notice what they did. It said at midnight... They sang and they prayed and sang praises. It doesn't just say they prayed. It said they prayed and sang praises unto God and they didn't do it quietly. Some people say, well, I just have a song in my heart. Well, that's fine. Having a song in your heart is a good thing, but sometimes it needs to come out of your mouth. When you need results, you need it to come out of your mouth. They prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. That means they didn't do it quietly. Now, can I ask you a question? If you're in their situation, what would your prayer be? I would have one and only one thing in mind when I prayed. I wouldn't be praying for the leaders of my nation. I wouldn't be praying for my family members. I wouldn't be praying to help all the other missionaries in other parts of the world. There's only one thing I'd be praying about. God, get me out of here. You sent me to this city, you gave us a work to do, we get the little girl delivered from the power of the devil. This isn't right. Get me out of here. I would recognize first and foremost that I'm not going to be able to accomplish the will of God in prison in this city. If God sent me here, I got to be out doing what God wants me to do. Now, am I different from anybody else? Wouldn't your prayer be something along that line? God, get me out of here for whatever reason, in whatever way. Get me out of here. Well, then that's what the other prisoners would be hearing them pray, wouldn't it? And then... They didn't just stop with praying. They sang praises unto God. What are they going to praise God about? Why in the world are they going to be praising God at midnight when the backs are bleeding and their feet are in chains and their, their I'm sorry, their hands are in chains and their feet are in stocks? What do they have to praise God about for hearing and answering prayer? That's the only thing I can think of in the middle of that situation that I could be praising God for. That is you sent me here. I'm praying to get out of here. Thank you for hearing and answering my prayer. They prayed and sang praises, and then the prisoners heard them. They heard the prayer. They heard their praises. And when the earthquake takes place, everybody's prison doors open. Everybody's chains fell off. Everybody's socks come off of their feet, which is not a normal operation for earthquakes. Normally, that's not what happens when earthquakes take place. Buildings fall down. Stuff falls into the streets and so forth. Prison doors don't automatically open in earthquakes. But even if that happened, chains don't fall off people's hands and, and feet and so forth. Everybody involved in this knows this is a supernatural action. Everybody involved is in place, not moving a muscle, because they realize this is a result of what they heard Paul and Silas pray and sing praises about. Now, folks, here's the deal. Here's the important truth that if I could wish anything for you in life, it would be for you to put this this truth in practice in every aspect of your prayer life. And that is... Praise is the way to victory. So many people think that it's prayer, but it's prayer and praise that brings the results. And praying alone won't get the job done. Now, the reason for that is because when you praise God, that's your faith saying, I believe God heard me. And it's the prayer of faith that brings results, the highest expression the highest type of faith, the highest demonstration of a person's faith is in their praise. Praise is the way to victory. Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. And as a result, God heard their prayer and took action on their behalf and set everybody free. Set everybody free. You know, it's uh, it, it's an amazing thing because so many times people think that if you can get, uh, the more people you can get to pray about something, then the better off it'll be. There was a story that Brother Hagen told about a fella that was a, 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 a revivalist. He was a, an evangelist. that in, um, I think it was in the 30s, back in uh, the east part of Texas. And he said, uh, he called him Brother B. He never said his last name, but he always called him Brother B. He said uh, Brother B would, uh, would have these healing uh, or evangelistic campaigns in different churches and so forth. Well, somewhere along the way, he was diagnosed with tuberculosis. Now, tuberculosis was the big killer back then. And so uh, when he was diagnosed with tuberculosis, he would ask, once he found out, he would ask everybody the last night of all of these meetings, these revivals that it had hold, in every church that he went to, every place that he ever went to, whatever meeting he was in, he would always ask everybody, how many of you will pray for me? Well, you know, everybody responds and all the crowd lifts their hands. And so he'd ask him, he'd say, how many of you will pray for me? How many of you will pray every day? Well, everybody will agree to that, whether they intend to or not. Everybody, you know, raises their hand, and says, yeah, 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 we'll do that. We love you. We want you to have God's best in your life, so we'll do that. Well, this went on for several years. Finally, he got to the place where he couldn't keep going. He deteriorated to such a point that he and his wife had to take, uh, I don't think they had any kids, they had to go live with her parents on a farm somewhere out in Texas. And so he was deteriorating, getting worse and worse and worse. And uh, and one day the the sun was shining; it was real bright and sunny day, beautiful day, beautiful weather. He heard the birds chirping outside. He looked out and saw a little stand of trees a little ways from the house. So he just said to himself, "Oh Lord, if I could just get out there, I've been cooped up in this bed for so long. If I could just get out there, I, I'd I'd just be happy. It wouldn't matter to me if I just died out there under the trees. Just let me get out there." Well. He gathered the strength some way or another to finally get himself out there, took all the strength he had. Finally, he collapses under the trees, and he lays there, and the devil speaks to his mind and says, Now you've played the fool. Nobody knows you're out here. You're going to die. Nobody's even going to know where you are. And so he just laid there for a second. He said, Well, I don't care. If I die here, that's fine. At least I'm dying in a nice place. And so he laid there for a second and started crying and started pouring his heart out to God, praying for his healing. And all of a sudden, he stopped. And he said the thought occurred to him, he'd tell him the testimony later on. He said, now I believe that it was Holy Ghost bringing it to my remembrance. But at the time, I didn't realize what it was. He said, but I had the thought of all those meetings and all those revivals that I held and all those nights, the last nights of those campaigns, where I would ask people, how many of you would pray? He said there were thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people, if you added them all up over the years, tens of thousands of people that that said that they'd pray for me. He said, now, I know that not everybody prays like they say they're going to pray, but if everybody just prayed once, there's tens of thousands of prayers. If people remembered it more than once, maybe hundreds of thousands of prayers that have gone up for me and my healing. And he had this thought. He said, you know, if prayer alone was going to do it, it ought to be done by now, shouldn't it? Well, that does stand to reason, doesn't it? I mean, if more prayer is going to do it, how much more prayer? How many prayers is it going to take for somebody to get an answer? I can't find anywhere in the Bible where it gives you the number. Is it a million? Is that why people don't get answers? Because they haven't got a million prayers yet? Listen, I know a lot of people that have prayed for themselves over a million times. I may be getting close on some things myself. But you see the point that I'm trying to make. We get the idea that it's the more praying, the better it's going to be. Well, where does the Bible say that? Where does the Bible say that only when you hit the magic number then will God hear you? The Bible that I read says that God hears you when you pray and use the name of Jesus, not when you pray X number of times. So he got to thinking: all these thousands and thousands of prayers that have gone up for me, he said, if those people had just did it one time, look at what all the uh, look at how heaven has been bombarded with prayers for me and for my physical situation. So he said that what he decided to do. Was just he was kind of overwhelmed with the thought that all these people have prayed over all these years. All these numbers of prayers have gone up to heaven for him. So he said, I just got the thought, I'm just going to praise God for his goodness. I'm going to praise God for hearing and answering prayer. So he did, and he started. And when he started, you, you know, tuberculosis is, has a, a um, debilitating effect on your lungs, and so it affects your breathing and, and so forth. So he said he could barely whisper, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He said, but after two hours, he was standing up on his feet, shouting so loud that people heard him a mile down the road. Now, how does something change like that, folks? Because praise is the way to victory. It's not just prayer. Praise is the way to victory. Now, he could have done exactly the same thing that he'd been doing for years. He could have laid under that tree and prayed and cried and told God how much he loved him and how much he wanted to be healed, tried to talk God into it. But he tapped into something. He said later, as I mentioned, he said that he, he recognized that it was a leading of the Holy Ghost. Praise is the way to victory. Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard him. He prayed and sang praises unto God. Now, now, this is not an isolated situation, folks. Brother Hagen also told a story of a lady that came and gave a testimony to him in one of his meetings. Had nothing to do with him or his healing ministry, but he was teaching along the lines of healing, and so this lady came to uh, to Brother Hagen and gave her testimony. She said, "Brother Hagen, uh, I was diagnosed with asthma." And, and again, this was way back when, during the Depression days. And she said, and my husband had a real good job with the oil company, and, and he spent $10,000 on me during the Depression days uh, to for treatment and doctors and, and all that kind of stuff uh, for asthma. The doctor said I had the worst case of asthma that they'd ever seen. Now, Brother Hagin said, I don't know anything about it, but Brother Hagin said $10,000 in the Depression days would be like one hundred fifty or $200,000 spent on doctors today. He may be right. I don't know. Anyways, a lot of money. And so he said that uh, um, that the lady said she had had everybody pray for her, and uh, since her husband did have some uh, some resources, they'd go to meetings in in towns far away. She'd travel far and wide to try to get to healing revivalists and and evangelists and so forth. And and so she said, uh, I got I'd been prayed for by everybody. She said I found out about uh, a healing revival that was going on in a certain place that Raymond T Ritchie was holding. Raymond T Ritchie was a renowned healing uh, minister healing evangelist. And so she said, I got in his healing line. She said, he was just about to lay hands on me. And as a matter of fact, did lay hands on her. If I remember the story correctly, he laid hands on her and backed up, took his hands off and backed up. And he said, ma'am, you've been prayed for before. She said, oh yes, I've been prayed for by everybody. She started naming this famous person, that famous person, this famous person. And so brother Richie said, well, she said, I know all these men. He said, they've got the anointing of God upon them. There's no reason for me to pray for you. So instead of praying for you, will you do what I ask you to do? She said, well, if I can, sure. So he said, here's what I want you to do. He said, instead of me praying for you, I want you to start thanking God for your healing. Now, she gave herself away where she was in faith or the lack thereof, because she said, well, I can't do that. I'm not yet healed. And Brother Richie's got a lot of people in the healing line, doesn't have a lot of time to spend with her, but he said, okay, all right. Well, I see where you're coming from. He said, but you do know that the Bible says Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses, don't you? She said, oh, yes, I know that scripture is in there. She said, I think it's in Matthew somewhere. He said, that's right. It's Matthew 8, 17. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to praise God that according to his word, you are healed. Because the Bible says by Jesus stripes, you are healed. She said, well, OK, I, yeah, I guess I can do that. He said, that's all I want you to do. I want you every morning, every night, every time you think about it, just start thanking God, praising God, because according to the word of God, you are healed. She said, yeah, okay, I can do that. Well, she left the meeting. She went back home and she got caught up. Her testimony was that she got caught up praising God. She praised God every night when she'd go to bed because according to his word, I'm healed. She'd wake up every morning praising God because according to his word, I'm healed. She said she started while she's washing the dishes, she's praising God that according to his word, I'm healed. She really did what he asked her to do. She took it seriously. She did it multiple times a day. She did it so much that she caught, caught up in it and didn't even know how long she'd been doing it. M- mentioned that to her husband one morning at the breakfast table. He, he, she said, you know, honey, I've, I've gotten so taken up with, uh, with praising God for my healing, according to the word that I'm healed. She said, I just realized this morning I haven't had an asthma attack, and I don't know how long. He said, I do. It's been 30 days. And she said, now, Brother Hagen, that 30 days has stretched out to this present time eight years, and I've never had another asthma attack. Now, what made the difference? She'd been prayed for by every healing revivalist, healing evangelist in the country. She'd been prayed for by every every famous healing preacher that there was. And she got to one that wouldn't pray for her and got results. Because he taught her the truth about healing, and that is praise is the way to victory. It's not prayer alone. It's praise. Now, you may think, yeah, well, Brother Hagin, you're using Brother Hagan 's stories, and these things happened, you know, 60 years ago or however, however how long they were. Well, let me give you some recent testimonies. I taught this, uh, um, uh, well, uh, let me rephrase this. About a year and a half ago, the, they put a, a healing school message on TV. And in that, we were teaching something along this line about Paul and Silas, and we even went back to Second Chronicles chapter 20 when, uh, when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, said ambushments and delivered the children of Israel. There were different scriptures and different uh, things, but along the same topic. And uh, uh, about um, a year ago, about six months after that aired, I got a I got a testimony from a lady. She said, uh, Pastor Mike, I uh, heard your healing school message about praising God, and she referred to certain things. And, folks, I, I don't know what's on TV. If somebody doesn't tell me what they saw, I don't know what's on TV. I'm not the one that keeps up with this. People around here do. They they run the, the schedule by me and, and that type of thing, but it's usually for the whole year. So I, at any given time, I don't know what's on there. As far as I'm concerned, my job is just to teach the truth. It's their job to get it out there. It's working pretty well so far. So anyway, she, I, I had no knowledge that it was on there, but she said so. She said she heard it and you know the, the time of the month or whenever it was. She said, I've, I've waited about six months to give you the testimony. She said, but I heard that you said to do that. And she said, I thought to myself, that's the strangest thing I've ever heard in my life. She said, because I'm looking to get everybody I can to pray for me. She's fallen into the same trap that everybody else did. How many people can I get to pray? The more people, finally, if I'll get to the magic number, then something may or will happen. And she said, I realize that you're saying that it wasn't the amount of prayer that got it done, but it was praising God because the prayer had been made. And I thought I couldn't have said that better myself. She did a good job explaining it. She said, well, here's what I did. She said, I started thanking God. Just, I must have given her the same story, used the same story, because she said, I started thanking God that according to his word... I was healed by the stripes of Jesus. So I must have told that story about Brother Richie, even in that uh, service that aired on TV. She said, I spent several weeks just thanking God that according to his word, I was healed by the stripes of Jesus. She said, I wound up going back to the doctor, and the cancerous tumor they said was in my body disappeared. She said, now the doctor couldn't believe it. And so the doctor said, well, you never know about these things. Sometimes these things don't show up for a while, but then they come back. She said, I've waited six months. And now the doctors say, well, there's no reason for us to think it's going to come back. Everything seems to be clear. And so she gave us a testimony about this. We had a situation a couple of years before that where there was a lady that had been diagnosed with uh, breast cancer, and this cancer had spread and and gotten into different uh, her um, bodily organs, and I think it gotten into her lungs and some other places as well. She was in a uh, critical condition, I mean just stage four when she ever came to us. we laid hands on her and uh, and prayed for her for her to receive her healing and She got some relief and w- there would be times where she'd call and and uh, uh get other people in the church that she made uh, acquaintance with and uh, and get some temporary relief but uh, but by and large this this thing continued to grow it uh, it was something that she could see it was situated in such a place that she could see, and so she could watch it spread in her body it, You get some physical evidence like that, that's hard to overcome. I mean, it's one thing to have something you can't see. It's another thing to have it when you're watching it grow. So anyway, it created a real issue for her. And so she'd do her best to stand in faith, but she'd stumble and fall and need some help and need people to prop her up. And there were some people in the church that did a phenomenal job in keeping her encouraged. And, uh, and, And she said, she told us this later, she said, you know, I'd hear Pastor Mike talk about thanking God for my healing. She said, that was always a hard thing for me to do. She said, because I could see it. There were some other physical symptoms associated with it other than just what she could feel and, and what she could see. And it was just a real discouraging thing for her. And she said, it was just really tough for me to thank God for healing when I could see this thing growing inside my body. Some of it was growing inside of her body. Some of the tumor had broke, had burst through the, uh, the skin and was growing outside of her body too. It, was a, it was just a real gross, nasty thing. The devil's a nasty devil. Amen? And so anyway, she said it was really hard for me to praise God. She said, I kept thinking that I needed to get back in a healing school service or get back in some situation where the power of God would manifest himself or something unusual would happen, and then I'd get my healing that way. She said, and I kept going month after month after month. The doctor kept telling me it's worse and worse and worse. Nothing was happening that was any good. It was all happening. that was Everything that was happening was bad. And she said, finally, I got to the place. And this was after being with us for, oh, I don't know, close to a year, if not a year, close to it. She said, I finally got to the place where I decided I don't have enough time to wait for a special move of God. If I'm going to get an answer, I'm going to have to get an answer the way that Pastor Mike is saying to get it, and that is start thanking God for my healing. Well, she started off. She said, I felt so inadequate. She said, I'd thank God for my healing and look at how this thing had grown. She said, I'd praise God for my healing and it'd get worse overnight. Every time I'd try to do something, it seemed like there would be contradicting evidence some kind of uh, circumstance that would contradict everything that I was doing, everything that Pastor Mike had told me to do. And she said, it was just the hardest thing, but I just determined I'm going to do this. If I die, at least I'm going to die praising God. Well, she continued that for a couple of weeks. Again, she slipped and stumbled a few times and had to call people for encouragement. And they did. They did a great job keeping her propped up, getting her back on track when when she slipped. But she said after about a couple of weeks... This thing, one day, this thing started really hurting her. It was, uh, I'm not sure don't, which side it was, but she said this thing started being started really um, uh, being a lot more painful than normal. She said she was out somewhere, and so she went to uh, to the restroom where she could examine herself. She said she took off some of her clothing. She had to keep herself all bandaged up and stuff, so it wasn't normal undergarment type thing. But anyway, she said she checked herself, and she said when I took off some of the bandages, she said some of the, the this tumor had fallen off into the bandage. She said, well, it, 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 instead of this being good news, it was bad news because now it's bleeding profusely. And so she said, I didn't know what to do. I couldn't get to the doctor, couldn't call anybody, couldn't get any help. So she said, I just decided to throw the, the, uh, the part of the tumor that had come off into the bandage into the trash and wrap myself back up, bandage myself back up, and go about my business and then take care of it whenever I could. But she said, I just started thanking God even more. She said, the thought came to me, maybe this is God's healing work. You think? And so she said, instead of letting the, the bleeding distress me, she said, I just started thinking, well, okay, maybe this is the, the healing power of God at work. I'm not going to worry about the healing. I'm just going to keep thanking God for my healing. Well, she kept thanking God for healing, and more and more and more, of this stuff started falling off. She kept it up for about three days, and after three days, everything that she could see, everything that was visible in this thing that she could see had fallen completely off of her body. And in its place, there was newborn skin that was growing in. She kept it up because she knew there was some part of this that she couldn't see. So she kept it up. She kept thanking God for healing, kept praising God that according to the word of God, she was healed by the stripes of Jesus. And over a period of time, over a matter of about a of month, the doctor told her that every trace of this thing had disappeared. Folks, praise is the answer. Praise is the way to victory. So many times people pray, and then they just sit back and wait and see what God's going to do. Paul and Silas give us a key to victory. They prayed and sang praises unto God. They prayed and sang praises unto God. Let me refer you back to Second Chronicles chapter 20. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Favorite stories, I should say. I've got a lot of favorites, but this is one of my top favorites. Second Chronicles chapter 20 tells us the story of when Israel is being attacked by their enemies. They're being threatened with attack from their enemies. I'm going to read the whole thing here. We've got a little bit of time, so I'm just going to read the whole thing. Verse 1 of chapter 20 of 2 Chronicles. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, and with them others beside the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Jehoshaphat is the the king of uh, uh, Judah. There came also some, then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There comes a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side, Syria. And behold, they be in some place, which is in Engedi. gedi And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. First thing he did is he turned his eyes on the Lord. Let's see what God has to say about their situation. Now, if you add these things up, it says the children of Moab, the children of Ammon, and others besides the Ammonites came with two other groups, two other multitudes, that come to them from this side of Syria. So you've got about five different armies, five different kings and their armies that are coming against Judah and Jehoshaphat, and he's very much outnumbered. There's no way that he's going to be able to win this battle without God's help. So he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah, and Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, this is this prayer. I love this prayer. This is a prayer that works. There are principles about this prayer that we can apply and get answers every time. Notice what he said. Here's his prayer. Oh, Lord God of our fathers. Are you not God in heaven? How's that for an opening line? God, aren't you God in heaven? Notice he did not start with, oh, God, look at what's happening to us. God, can you see the problem we have, the trouble that we're in? Don't you care? He starts off with, God, are you not God in heaven? Do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in your hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? Aren't you who you say you are? I love this. Art not thou our God who did drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gave it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name? He's talking about their history. He said, aren't you the one that cleared all the people out of this land so we could have it? This is Abraham's seed. This is the promise you made to Abraham, the covenant promise you made to Abraham. That's the land that we're living in. That's the land that we're being threatened in. Didn't you do all that? Wasn't that your work? And they built a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If, when evil comes on us, upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine... When we stand before this house and in thy presence, for your name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. Aren't you the one that that was said about? You see the point, don't you? You see what they're saying? And now, verse 10, And now behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. But they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they come to reward us. To come and cast us out of thy possession. Notice they said it was God's possession. By the way, folks, healing is God's possession. Jesus paid for it. You have a right to it because you're in Christ, but it belongs to God. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no mind against this great company that comes against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Now, folks, I've got I to gotta tell you, first and foremost, you pray that prayer in most churches today and they will kick you out. The very idea that someone would question God. Are you not the God that you claim to be in the word? The very idea that someone would dare question. God, isn't your word true when you said this? God, have you forgotten your covenant when you gave Abraham this land as a possession? Not too many people, not too many Christians put up with that kind of praying. It's so far into their concept of how to pray. Because their prayers are all this, oh God, please do something. Help us. You know how unworthy we are, but how much we love you. I never have figured out why people keep praying prayers that don't work. Here's one that works. And now notice everything about this prayer is based on God's word and who God has already shown himself to be. Jehoshaphat is very simply saying, are you not the same God that did all this stuff? Have you changed? That'd be a good prayer to pray about healing. God, are you not still the same God that worked with Jesus when he was here on the earth and healed the sick? Have you changed? I hope you see the point. Well, they finished their prayer. What do you do now? And all Judah stood before the Lord, verse 13, with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeiel, the son of Madaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asap, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, here's what he's saying by the Spirit of the Lord. Hearken ye all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, Thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Folks, let me tell you something. The battle, the struggle over healing is no more yours than this was theirs. Now, they've got a responsibility. There are things that they're going to have to do. For you, there is a fight of faith, but the fight's not over healing. It's over staying grounded in God's word. Every circumstance, every doctor report, everything that you see, everything that you feel, everything that you hear about your physical situation concerning sickness is designed to distract you from the truth of God's word. The only fight there is, is the fight of faith, and that's a fight to stay fixed and focused on God's word. That's it. Everything else is distraction. Everything else is is intended to be, is intended to distract you from the truth of God's word. That's the only thing the devil's got. That's why he speaks to your mind, because he's trying to get you to look at something else other than God's word. Because God is the same God he used to be. He is the same healing God today that he was when Jesus was here on the earth. He is the same. He never changes. He's always going to be the same. And if the devil can't distract you from that truth, he cannot take God's possession of healing from you. So what do they do? The battle's not theirs, but God's. I don't know about you, but I'd be jumping up and down here and that, especially if I'm in the army. Yeah, this is good news. Okay, what next? Verse 16, tomorrow go you down against them. I don't know if I'd be as excited about that. Can't we just stay here on the hill, Lord, and you take care of it? That's the way a lot of people want it to be. God, you do all the work, and I'll just lay back on the couch. Now, there's a work for you and I. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz. This always tickles me. It's like God says, tomorrow, your job is to go out against them tomorrow. By the way, if you don't know where they are, here they are. They're out by the cliff of Ziz. And you shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Second time he says it. You shall not need to fight in this battle. There is a stand of faith, folks. But the fight is the fight that is intended for the word to do, not for you to do. Your fight of faith is to stand strong. It's the word that does the work. It's not even you. That's why Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He didn't say anything about you being strong in you. See, if it comes down to you being strong in you, different Christians have different degrees of strength. Based on personality, based on youth or age or whatever, different Christians have different levels of strength in and of themselves. That's why it would be unfair for God to say, be strong in yourself. No, it's be strong in the Lord. Because everybody can be strong in the Lord in an equal measure. What does that mean? That means be strong in the truth of His Word. Don't get pulled away by anything else. And everybody can do that. You shall not need to fight. In this battle, set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Folks, that's exactly what the stand of faith is. It's standing still and watching God's word work. It's watching God honor or perform the word that he's given to us. Now, the written word is just as true as the prophecy that came to these guys. The written word that by Jesus stripes you were healed is just as true as what the Lord spoke through, through this. What was his name? Jehaziel. By the way, I wonder if there was anybody in that whole congregation that says, I wonder if God really said that or if he's just making us feel good before we die. What do you think? You think everybody was on board and say, oh, well, whenever Jehaziel speaks, it's got to be God. You don't think there were at least some or a few that are saying, eh, I don't know about that. Would God really say that? That's what happens nowadays when the Spirit of the Lord speaks. Some people sit back and say, well, I'm just not sure about that. Okay. But the instruction is given, Right. The instruction is given to stand still. You have to go out. You have to face your enemy. But your job is to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. See God's word work. Yours is the stand of faith, standing strong on that which God has said. And it's up to the word to do the work. Basically, what the Bible is saying is this. If you don't turn loose, it can't possibly fail. If God's word's true, I want you to hear that again. If God's word's true, then all we have to do is hang on to it because it can't possibly fail. Now, if it's not God's word, if God didn't really say this, then they're still up a creek. And some people take the position that, well, okay, we'll go out there. But whether or not it works is going to tell us if it was really God that said it. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way, folks. You've got to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, believing that God did say it or else it won't work. Verse 18, And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. I guess so. Man, that would be a have fun service then, wouldn't it? Started off with what are we going to do, ends up with hallelujah. But then tomorrow comes. Folks, I like feeling good in church services as much as anybody. But what do you do when tomorrow comes? There have been so many times where I'd get excited about what God did in the service, and then the next day comes around and I want to find that tape. Let's plug that tape in. Let's get, our, let's get ourselves charged back up on this thing. Let's remind ourselves, what did God say? How did we feel yesterday? Because you don't always feel the same way tomorrow, do you? What are you going to do tomorrow? That's when you have to go out and do your part. What are you going to do tomorrow? Verse 20, and they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Koah. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. Folks, he's saying, believe the word. Believe the word that's been spoken. In your situation where healing is concerned, believe that Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses, and with his stripes you were healed. Believe that. You have a choice. Choose to believe it. You're going to believe something. You're either going to believe it's true or it's a lie. Believe the word that was spoken. So he says, believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe in his prophets, so shall you prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, in other words, after he had encouraged them and said, believe in the word that God spoke, when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army, before means in front of. Here's Joshua's battle plan. Since God said we wouldn't need to fight in this battle, let's put the choir out front. Now, folks, it sounds great reading a story after the fact. But if you're a choir member, what are you going to be thinking? Can I take a shield? At least? Can we get some cover? When he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army, and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And when, everybody look at verse 22. And when they began to sing into praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. What was it that caused God's word from the day before to work tomorrow? Or on the morrow? What was it that did it? It says when they began to sing and to praise. That's when God moved. God didn't move the day before when he spoke. He moved when they began to sing to praise. That sounds a lot like Paul and Silas in Acts Acts 16, 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the people heard them. Now, folks, the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. you got an Old Testament witness and you got a New Testament witness that deliverance comes when you praise God for the answer. Now, you can do what you want to, but the Bible says that praise is the way to victory. Now, like I said, a lot of people hear this and won't do it to save their lives. When, in fact, it would save their lives. Because if it's God's word, if God really said it, then if we do our part, it's impossible for it not to work. Well, Pastor Mike, I just want to find something that works. This is it. Believe the word. Believe that you are healed by the stripes of Jesus and praise God for the victory. Praise God for your healing. It's impossible for it not to work. Yeah, but Pastor Mike, I've been praising God for 25 years. Well, there's a scripture for you. Be not weary in well-doing. For in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Now, I've never really found anybody that's been praising God for any one thing for 25 years, but people seem to have that attitude. Oh, I've been doing that forever. No, you haven't. You do it forever. It works. You go in willing to do it forever, and you won't have to because it's God's Word. What happened here? Well, it says the Lord set ambushments. It says they began to fight against one another. And by the time Israel, Judah came upon where they were, it says they stripped off all the, the stuff, the spoil and everything, and took them three days to carry away all the haul. Three days to carry away all the stuff for the people killing themselves, for these armies to kill each other. Now, folks, i got to tell you, God hadn't changed in his methods. He still gets people fighting against themselves when they come out against us. It's exactly what the Bible says happens in the book of Revelation during the tribulation period. It says at the, uh, the Battle of Armageddon, it said everybody starts fighting each other. God shows up and everybody starts fighting each other and God takes care of the rest. Believe in the word, so shall you prosper. Believe in the word, so shall you prosper. Believe in the word, so shall you prosper. Believe in the word, so shall you receive your healing. How many of you have prayed numerous times about your physical situation? Guess what? It's time to quit praying. Time to start praising God. He's heard your prayer. Praising him is the way to get him to move on your behalf. It's the way that we prove. It's the way that we show through our life, through our action. It's the way that we show we believe God's word is true. We don't feel like we're healed. We know it may not look like we're healed. The doctor may not say we're healed, but according to God's word, we were healed by the stripes of Jesus. So let's all stand. Let's lift our hands and thank God. We've already prayed. Is there? Well, maybe I should ask that. Is there anybody here that has a situation that has not already been prayed for? A situation of sickness in your body that you have not already been prayed for? Julie, you got your hand up? Okay. Anybody else? All right. Stretch your hands out toward Julie. Father, in the name of Jesus, we agree together with Julie that she was healed by the stripes of Jesus. We minister your healing power by faith unto her. We command her body to be restored to normal to restore the divine health in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So be it. Amen. Amen. Now, since that was the only case, unless I missed somebody. Did I miss somebody? Larry, did I miss you? All right. Stretch your hands out here over to Larry. Anybody else? Let's do it all at once at the same time. Anybody else? There's a lady over here? Okay. Then for these several. Father, in the name of Jesus, we minister your healing power by the Spirit of God. You said if two or more agree is touching anything that we ask here on the earth, you do it for us. We agree together that each and every one of these people are healed by the stripes of Jesus because your word says Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And with his stripes, we are healed. Amen? Amen. Everybody believe that? Amen. All right, now let's thank God for it. Let's lift our hands and start praising God for the answer. Oh, Lord, we praise you. We magnify your name. We glorify your name. We thank you that according to your word, we're healed. According to the word of God, we are healed by the stripes of Jesus. According to the word of God, the work is done. The battle is not ours, Father. The victory is ours. According to your word, the victory is ours. Oh, Father, it's so good to be healed. It's so good to be healed, Lord. It's so good to be healed. We praise you, Lord, for you are good and your healing mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord, for he is good for his mercy endures forever thank you for your healing mercy father thank you that it is done it's not going to be done it is done by faith in jesus name blessed be the name of jesus blessed be the name of jesus blessed be the name of jesus oh father it's so good to be healed it's so good to be healed by stripes i know i'm healed it's so good to be healed thank you lord thank you lord Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord, for Your healing. Thank You, Lord, for the healing work of Jesus. Thank You, Lord, that Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And with His stripes we are healed. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be, Blessed be the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah.
1: Blessed be the name of Jesus.
0: Blessed be the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We believe we receive our healing in Jesus name. Oh, Father, thank you for healing our bodies through the work of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for healing our bodies by Jesus stripe. Thank you, Father. That we're healed by the stripes of Jesus. Thank you, Father. 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 Blessed be the name of Jesus.
1: Blessed be the name of Jesus. 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 Blessed be the name of
0: Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Jesus. Lord, we praise you. We magnify your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
1: Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Bless you, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Lord Jesus. (laughs) Master, master, eternal master, master, bebe sho ka to no ma ka baba na to ma ida na ma ga ma na dro mo to
0: Hallelujah. Folks, this works every time. It works every time. Because the prayer of faith heals the sick. If you've prayed in faith for your situation, for your healing, what that means is prayed according to the word of God that says that Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses and with his stripes you're healed. If you have prayed that prayer. Then all it takes is praising God for the answer. It's impossible for it to fail because God's word is true. You get taken up with praising God. That means you can't get taken up with your condition. That means you get your eyes off your condition and on your own to the word of God that says you are healed by the stripes of Jesus. You be taken up. You get carried away with praising God every day when you wake up in the morning. Praise God that according to his word, you're healed every night before you go to bed. You praise God that according to his word, you're healed every time you think about it. Every time the devil tells you you're not getting any better. You start thanking God. Praising him because according to the word of God, you were healed by the stripes of Jesus. You start doing that and it's impossible for it to fail. Now, it takes some people a hard time or takes them some time anyway. It's harder for some folks to get their eyes off their own situation because they've been looking at it so long. But just stay with it. Don't get discouraged. You get taken up with praising God for your answer. And your answer will come and and it'll surprise you how quickly it gets there. Because you'll get your eyes off your condition. You'll get your eyes off your situation. And you'll be thinking about the truth of God's word. You'll be like that lady with asthma. You'll say, wait a minute, I haven't had a problem for, I don't know how long. And somebody will have to tell you, I know how long it's been. Because just like her, you'll get caught up in praising God for the answer. It works every time. Folks, if this was rocket science, if this was a hard thing, we'd be left out. But it's an easy thing. It's an easy thing that anybody and everybody can do. Amen? Let's lift our hands one more time and thank God for our healing. Thank you, Father, that according to your word, we were healed by the stripes of Jesus. According to your word, Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And with his stripes, we were healed. As truly as he forgave our sins, he healed our bodies. Thank you, Father, that we're healed by the stripes of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Amen? Is that true for you? you going to do it? It's up to you. Nobody can do it for you. Praise music doesn't, doesn't count. It may help, but you've got to do the praising on your own. So the answer is not plug in a tape or a CD, or whatever it is you listen to. The answer is you get caught up praising God for the truth of His Word. It takes an effort on your part. And then watch God's Word work. Amen? Amen. Well, God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks for being with us.